We're doing the podcast. How are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. It's been nice to get to know you over the last few months. It feels it. It definitely feels like we know each other. Yep. Um, it feels like we got to know each other quickly. Yeah. Like in a good way. Yeah, I think uh, just your your reputation uh, preceded you a little bit. I kind of felt like I knew what to expect, and I I, I kind of already felt like I knew you before I met you. So it was uh, it was nice. What was what What did you hear? Uh, heard that, uh, I heard that you were a fun loving guy who uh, was in the right position working with, uh, <laughs> working with all the music stuff. And then, um, you know, when we got to work together on that, on that Bonnaroo, how, how to rue piece, oh, I was yeah. like, of, of course that's Corey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that piece too is like, that's kind of a good little like window into my brain. I feel like. Yeah, it was your creative concept, you and Andy Vinson, right? More Andy Vinson, I would say. Really? I, I think it was like, well, I don't know. It may have been, I've, I've got a bad habit of like remembering things as my idea. <laughs> like not in a malicious way, but like like I'll be doing a bit. And I'll be like, oh yeah, it's like such a funny bit that I've been doing or whatever. And my, my wife will be like, that's my bit. Really? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, um, let's see. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's not my bit actually. So any any time I I like question, I'm like, yeah, that was definitely Andy Vincent's idea. Yeah, it was so, a, it was a good one, man. It was cool. Uh, it, it was at least your strategy. You at least uh, knew that you needed the you needed the video to to tell people how to how to camp at Bonnaroo. And strategy, how- yes, I'll take that. Okay, good. And you did the voiceover for it too, and that was very fun. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're we I might be doing the music to the next Bonnery video. Oh, I heard about that. That's what we're working on right now. Yeah. So can you kind of fill me in on, on what you do with the AC stuff or with the uh, C3 stuff? Yeah. Um, so I am like for all intents and purposes, like I guess what you would call like the marketing director for Bonnaroo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets kind of broad because like, you know, as the story goes, um, Bonnaroo was AC and Superfly. And then Bonnaroo was AC and Live Nation. And then Bonnaroo was AC, Live Nation, and C3. And now Bonnaroo is basically C3 and Live Nation. Um, So it's kind of like passed through hands over the last few years. But there's always been like a core group that's been working on it for years and years. And that's how we've been able to kind of like keep the identity and keep the vibes right and keep the experience the same. Um, and so I'm kind of one of those people now. Um, so I do the marketing day to day. I'm in charge of all the like, you know, creative campaigns that we use to talk to the fans. Um, you know, I work with a team that handles the socials. Um, you know, I work with contractors who, you know, handle all the video production and, uh, photos, et cetera. Um, and then I'm sort of in charge of all the strategy um, you know, when it comes to actually selling the tickets to the show, um, and I'm, you know, I guess also in charge of, I guess like talking to that community as a whole. Right. Um, cause it, it is different than like a Lollapalooza or a, you know, ACL or, 
other, you know, big city fests, you know, we, you know, I was looking, I was looking a day and it's like our off season Instagram engagement is like just as high as Lollapalooza and the, that festivals in three weeks. Wow. Um, but if you look at the web traffic, theirs is like three X what ours is. Huh? So it's like, that just tells you like there is a larger group of people looking at some of those, you know, big fest. And I mean, Lollapalooza is a cultural milestone of its own. Sure. Um, but the community of Bonner is just like way more engaged and I don't know. I, I don't want to like throw shade at any other shows, but I guess, you know, it does feel like more like meaningful in certain ways, I guess. It means so much to so many people, I think. And part of it probably has to do with the fact that it's been around for over 20 years now. Uh, but I think part of that also I mean, the experience that everyone has and the experience that you guys provide for everybody is amazing. It's the best weekend of a lot of people's lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you look at how excited people are while they're there. They go home and they're just as excited when you when you look at the at the, yeah. you know, at Twitter and Instagram. And sad. <laughs> yeah. And also sad that, that it's another, you know, 51 weeks away. Uh, but to to add on to that, the. What you said about making sure that the experience is there and the experience is kind of consistent, you know, I have this is the first year I've been since I think 2015 or 2016. And I went to the second one, it was my first yeah. one. And then I went to nine in a row after that. And I was talking to Sarah about it this weekend when we were at Fish and we, we were like, you know, people were asking how Bonnaroo was, like, oh, how's, how's old Bonnaroo? And it's like, we hadn't been in six or seven years and it felt like home. It felt like the yeah. same place. Like you still know what to do. You, it still has the same vibes. And, you know, it, it, I don't know. That seems like it's a special, a special place and a special show because of that. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I mean, I feel like from like 2002 to, I guess you stopped going and maybe you took a break in 13 or yeah. 12, somewhere in there. So, so I think 11 was my, la was my last like consecutive. I think those one. first five years, a lot changed, obviously. because From year to year? Yeah. Well, I mean, just as in like it started off pretty raw, you know? Yeah. Like it was it was pretty pretty wild west out there. Um, and then, I mean, not vibe-wise, just like infrastructure, like organization. People used to sit on the interstate for, what, 14 hours? Yeah waiting to get in yeah and still got home and talked about what a great time they had. yeah exactly <laughs> i think i started going in uh 12 gotcha i think it was my first year and i've been every year that it's happened since then yeah and it, i mean it doesn't seem that different to me honestly really um no not really um i think there's been a lot of improvements um that make it a little less rough out there, mm -hmm. which is nice. But yeah, I mean, people have changed a little bit, I think. Um, I remember like my first, like my first couple of years, there was a lot more like hooting and hollering and like the high five thing was like pretty full on. Oh yeah. Um, I think some of that was probably COVID too. Um, but it definitely seems like people, people keep to their pods a little more than they used to, I think. 
What um, do you mean? They're like their their campground areas, or um, like like whoever they came with. Ah, I think you get to know your neighbors pretty good still. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my first few years, it was like I don't know. I feel like I talked to everybody, and maybe I was just young. You know, maybe I was young and outgoing, and you know, more more in the in the mind of like meeting people and stuff. The high five thing was a was a real thing. Like it was the, yeah. it was the mascot <laughs> kind of, and it still happens. You know, yeah. But now it's heart hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's. I I do wonder sometimes if that's like mostly COVID. You think? I mean, people got really used to like not having contact there for a while. I feel like. Yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but but now that I do think about my experience this year, yeah, it was it was communal indeed, and I met a lot of. I met a lot of very interesting people, but I also wasn't, you know, wandering around like the old days, just running into whoever and, you know. That's true, too. Yeah. Um, but, man, what a, uh, just, what a culturally iconic show it is. I mean, it's, it, you know, Rolling Stone called it, you know, one of the top 50 moments that changed rock and roll after the first year that it happened. Mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I know music festivals were still happening around then, but not like they are now. I mean, C3 is doing 30 something festivals this year. Yeah. Like there weren't 30 music festivals in the United States that were anywhere near the, I mean, anywhere near the size of Bonnaroo. Of course you have your bluegrass festivals and your things like that, but outdoor camping festivals, it kind of reinvented them a little bit. I feel like. I think so. Um, And I think a lot of it like kind of took a nod from Glasgow um, I, I think, you know, if my history is right, that was basically the main inspiration for Bonnaroo. Yeah. A- Ashley was here. He said that the fish, that the fish shows, uh, mm. that the, like the great went and, uh, you know, Coventry and, and all those were kind of also a big, big motivator. Yeah. To, yeah. That totally, I guess Coventry sense. was before the, or after the Bonnaroo had started, but, um, yeah, Glastonbury, I'm sure was is that's been around forever right and out outside of london somewhere yeah it's out in the country yeah. I, I couldn't even find it on a map i don't think have you been no but i might go next year yeah do they usually have a good a good line i mean it's a hundred thousand people plus right or is it i think it's like it's at least 120 it might be pushing 150 wow if you have you seen like the aerials from this year uh-uh it's insane Really? It's like three Bonnaroo's. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. Yeah, I had friends that went and I was like, you know, talking to them to see like, what was your experience like? You know, is there anything that can, can inform Bonnaroo next year? Um, and they were like, you walk like two miles to get to everything. Really? They're like, it is huge. And it's so it's camping too. It's camping. I think it's more, uh, I don't think it's. I don't think the performance spaces is organized. Huh. I think it's like there's, you know, the pyramid stages here and then here's some camping, here's some camping, and then here's another stage. Oh, so then, it's not as central as as like center. No, route. I don't think so. Okay. Mm-mm. It's it's interesting. It's very interesting. Be cool to it'd be cool to check out. And I don't know if I yeah, I I need to know more about Clastonbury. So it's like are you are you able to car camp at that point, you know, or is there like parking and you walk your stuff in because like right. you've been to summer camp no i haven't but i've heard that that's it, that there's a bit of a slog after you park your car yeah it's like giant parking lot carry all your stuff or load it on a wagon yeah. go through security and then you set up basically in the venue yeah 
uh, you know, which is nice if you want to like go back to your site and make a cocktail sure. um, and then, you know, hit a show. But it's also like your car's not there, you know? Yeah, but it's a different experience. Yeah, it's totally weird. Yeah. The, uh, this year's uh, this year's Bonnaroo was, I mean, like I said, I, it just, it, it brought it all back. It, ga- it gave me the, you know, it, it gave me the same feeling that it did when I was 18 years old and I went. I found some old photos of my first Bonnaroo. I look like- You're going to need to send those to me. Yeah, I look like <laughs> a baby. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's wild. But, you know, also I look at the lineup from the first year that I went and to this year. And it's amazing to me that the festival has been able to keep- its identity while having, I mean, such different, such different programming. Yeah. It's who headlined the, the year you went. I think the first Trey, year. Trey band. Probably. I think, I think that's right. I think it might've been Trey. Uh, I think yeah. Elfrey's probably played that year. Yeah. It was, what was that? Oh, four. Oh, three. Oh, three. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I remember STS nine played the first Rue because hmm. we were looking that up when they played this year. I think Avery's was on the second. Yeah, I mean the the lineup was all jam bands. Yeah, and you know jam bands ultimately built that festival. Definitely, right? and I think it's awesome that it picked up a fan base that likes different kinds of music, but still yeah. like to do the same kinds of things that the jam band crowd does. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, yeah. I think I think a lot of people like peeked in a little window of like what it's like on the lot and they're like oh this is really fun yeah (laughs) i think you're exactly right yeah and they're like i don't really like this music but those guys kind of know what's going on a little bit (laughs) yeah yeah i i I was my mind was blown walking around at bonnaroo the first you know the first time i went and and the first day i was there and i realized i was like these people have done this before somewhere else obviously but yeah. like this is a lifestyle yeah this is not just a one-off kind of situation where everybody's kind of figuring out the the vibes like these people know the vibe and they're setting the vibe and there's a you know there's a shakedown street with people selling you know selling goods at it it's its yeah. own marketplace yeah. you know there's people sell it's the first time i'd ever had fat tire that it yeah. you know that people selling fat tire beer that they'd smuggled all the way across the country and were selling yeah. out of a cooler next to the campgrounds it's like where am i i still kind of like yeah i kind of flash back every time i like get on site each year to that first time that i was there i just remember like you know you get out of the truck start setting stuff up and then i remember like let's go on a walk yeah. And you just walk around and just realize that you've never seen anything like it before, you know? It's wild. And you you also realize you're like there probably isn't really anything else like this. Is there? I don't think I don't I I mean I can't imagine none of the other camping festivals I've been to are quite like it. Right. Um you know, I haven't been to any other like I don't I don't know if I mean I think probably a Burning Man would yeah, be a little similar, um but obviously the landscape's totally different and it's not totally centered around music and stuff but and and it's also not like it doesn't have like that hippie culture quite at its core like bonnaroo does that's so weird that bonnaroo keeps that hippie culture right it's wild because when you know your headliners are kendrick lamar odessa and the foo fighters like but we're still looking at you know flower flower headbands and and you know and and uh, lightweight skirts and everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it feels kind of like it's still got the Woodstock vibe, even though the 
the programming the lineup is so much different it's it's almost like it's it, it's almost like it's its own it's its own culture yeah i think that's a good way to put it i i i can't think of another, i mean i i think that I think fish is the closest, like fish festivals or or, or dicks. I've not gotten to go to a fish festival. They they still it's, I feel like it's the same. It's still the, that's the vibe. That was the blueprint. It feels like yeah, and the blueprint kind of stuck for the, for the uh for kind of the culture of Bonnaroo. Uh, even though the you have a rotating door of, of of musicians and programming coming through, but that stays the same. And I think that's. That's cool. How much do you, how much do you lean into that, to the the Bonnaroo vibe, the radiate positivity kind of mindset, and and kind of let that be the draw, in instead of, you know, here's our headliners come, come for these come for these acts. Like how do how do you divide that up in your head? That's a good question. Um, so. I mean, you can always like just run ads on like social media, right? Yeah. Um, and at any given time, you know, I'll have like a dozen sets of creative running, you know, like maybe one's like a late night hype video and another is like a really cute, sunny day cut, you know? Um, and then another is probably just a static lineup image. Um, so you can kind of mix it up that way. But with Bonnaroo, I do a ton of like just what I would call like campaigns which are like just like one-off produced or images um, or video um, that just try to speak to like a different part of the festival. Hmm. Um, so it's like, you know, maybe maybe one day we're, you know, digging into uh, like Galactic Giddy Up in the plazas, you know, or where in the woods hmm. um, and just trying to like tell people what that's all about. And then maybe, you know, another time where like, digging out some old photos from the archives and kind of like taking people back a second, um, you know, and then, and then maybe the next one is, you know, um, a social media post with a nice carousel of just the people of Bonnaroo, you yeah. know, um, you know, kind of out there, you know, dressed up and, you know, and enjoying their weekend. Um, so that's that you have to, you have to talk in a lot of different languages for that festival. I feel like. Yeah. Because I, I, I feel like, you have a built-in amount of people who are going to come because of because of what it is yes. and not who's playing. And I was one of those people for, you know, 9 years in a row or whatever it was. It didn't matter who was playing, I was going. Yes, yeah, same. And and I knew I was going and because I because I always trusted you guys and I trusted I trusted everybody that was programming the festival, everybody that was producing the festival. I knew that they knew what they were doing and they were going to make a good ass time for yeah. me and and for everybody else and it was going to be it was going to be nothing but love and happiness for yeah. 4 days. I've met some of my best friends that I still keep in touch with at Bonnaroo that live in Texas or New York or whatever it is. I mean, it's like it's such a huge part yeah. of my life. My dog that's sitting in the floor right yeah. now came from Bonnaroo. She's that, sitting at my feet right now. She's sitting at your feet. Yep. She's under the table. <laughs> uh, 2011, we found her at Bonnaroo. I think camp. you should just, have you told that story on the podcast before? A little bit, I think, but we found her because the story was, we got home on, uh, I think it was either Thursday or Friday night. I think it might've been f- Friday night. We got home from a show 
like two o'clock in the morning and someone had turned Bonnie into the medic tent, which uh, do you remember the balloons? Yeah. Uh, when they had the balloons and yes. all the mm-hmm. plazas. So we were at pod four, which was really close to the arch. Not bad. Yeah, it was close. One of my buddies was, uh, was installing an art installation. He asked me to go down with him to to help install it. So I went down on either Monday or Tuesday okay. and installed the the installed the uh the art installation with him. So anyway, we're right there at the plaza. Somebody turns Bonnie into Lost and Found at two o'clock in the morning. Uh she's as big as a smaller than a, a football. She was like Oh my God. Yeah, man. she was tiny. And she was uh somebody said uh, uh, the people that turned her into Lost and Found uh, said that they had had like they had parked next to some shady individuals and they had you know left Bonnie in in their tent and they took their stuff too, which I've never heard of that happening, but it happened this time I guess. And they left Bonnie in there and they turned Bonnie into Lost and Found and said we're pissed because <laughs> they just yeah. gotten home from the show at one or two o'clock in the morning. And then they were like, well, I guess we'll call the, we'll call the animal control in the morning. Coffee County animal control will come pick her up. And I was like, hold on just a yeah. second. Like maybe we can, maybe we can just see if we can take care of her for the weekend. And then we'll, 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 uh, if nobody claims her by Monday, I'll take her home with me. Yeah. And everybody was like, all right, cool. She's yours. So she just hung out. At She hung out for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We would go to shows, and she would just stay at the campground, and whoever was there at the campground would just watch her. Yeah. And she'd run around. And we were uh, we were camping next to uh, the, the ADA area, I guess, because yeah, yeah. it was so close to Center Room. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of people that were that were hanging out you know, uh, at the campground all day and maybe just going to one or two shows. And then, uh, there was also, um, there was some kind of like sober initiative too. Mm -hmm. So Soberu was having AA meetings all the time at, at, in the campgrounds right there. And so they would, you know, there was always somebody hanging around there, good responsible individual yeah, that absolutely. could watch the dog. Yeah. So everybody, you know, everybody was like, oh no, it, you know, she belongs to some other guy. He's coming back. He's at the shows <laughs> right now. He's taking her home on Monday. It, and like, but nobody said anything about like, you know, I'm sure maybe, maybe they did. Maybe somebody came by and was like, you can't have a dog here. And they were like, well, somebody left her. Yeah. And like, we're just keeping her alive for the weekend. And she was so damn cute that nobody was going to say. She is really cute. She's 12 years old now, man. She's really good. I don't know if I've told this story. I I was uh, in Asheville on our way to high water back in, when was that? April, maybe something like that. Um, And, I've never seen a dog that looks just like Bonnie in my life. Like there's there's dogs that kind of maybe have the same colors and spots, but their faces are shaped differently or their ears are different or whatever. Uh, but I saw a dog that looked exactly like her. And I was like, that is whatever she is. I don't know what breed she is. Like I've always told people she was a blue tick hound beagle mix. That's what I've always told them just because whenever you tell them you don't know, they start telling you what she is. Yep. And so I just, I, I was like, I'm just going to tell people that's what she is. And, and then I won't have to sit here and argue yeah. with them for hours. Uh, so I see this dog at white duck taco. We stopped for lunch and it looked just like her. And I walk up to this guy and I was like, what kind of dog is that? <laughs> And he was like, this is a purebred American English coon hound. <laughs> he was like, I got her from a breeder in West Virginia. She's uh, 
uh, it, she's the tricolor model, so she's uh, <laughs> the model. Yeah, the tricolor model. So she's highly sought after. I had to wait for two litters oh, to get dang, one that dude. was three colors. He was like, I paid an arm and a leg for, <laughs> and I was like, Are you serious? You're like, yeah, me too. I was like, Yeah, <laughs> uh, same. And I was like, uh, Let me show you a picture of my dog. Do you think this is an American English Coonhound? And I showed him Bonnie. He was like, Dude, that that's my dog. Oh my god. <laughs> You're like, have you ever been to Bonnaroo? Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I couldn't bear to tell him that I found no, her. A, I no. know. I couldn't bear it's to. It's like, yeah, someone just left her there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but back to it, like, that was, it's such a big part of my life. It's such a big part of so many people's life that it it has become its own thing. And it's not, it doesn't matter who's playing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's happening. You know that it's going to be positively good time and you're going to yep. come home and you're going to be high off of it for weeks. Yep. My friends and I started going uh, when I was in college, I guess, like sophomore year maybe, I think. Yeah, I think it would have been sophomore year in college. And it was me and a couple of my buddies from high school and then um, a few friends that I'd met in college. And we'd always wanted to go, you know. Um, but I think I think our parents uh, probably wouldn't have been okay with us going when we were in high school. Yeah. Um, and so we were like, you know, so psyched. I remember, I remember like the lineup came out the first year I was going and it didn't even matter what it was going to be, you know? Um, cause I had already like asked to get my tickets as a Christmas present, um, during like the presale, nice, like in November. So I was like sitting on tickets and we were just waiting for the lineup and like, it didn't matter what it's going to be. It's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. And we just went that first year and like. I remember like just staying up late and like running around the farm and just like causing, you know, like just having a great time and then like just falling asleep in Cineru, like, yeah, like just baking in the sun out there. And it was sure. just like you get you get home and then like it's like right back to it. We just spend the whole next year like speculating on, you know, who's who's going to be on the lineup and who's going to sit in with who and what crazy stuff's going to happen in the campgrounds and like you go ahead and like start gearing up for the next year. It's just like, it just became like a ritual, you know? I remember I started my packing list in like February one year, like just yeah. writing down what all I was going to take. You think about it all year long. Yeah. It's nuts. So I, I wonder, uh, the, like I said, it's been a while since I've been where in the woods. I went there the, mm. for the first night that, that, uh, me and Andy Vincent got there. Because it was really the only place that there was any music. Because yeah. we got there on Tuesday. Yeah. And it was packed on yeah. Tuesday. Why are you guys letting people in on Tuesday? Yeah. To so, keep them from sitting on the side of I-24 on Thursday? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we we don't have that uh, interstate gate anymore. Right. Um, it, I, I, don't, I don't know the full story there, but I know that... I noticed that this year. I know that Because you used that to was, be able to just line up on the shoulder. But I think that was the issue. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think that's why that's not a thing anymore. But we were like, well, a lot of people just love to spend a bunch of time here anyway. So we just started opening the campgrounds another day early um, and basically, you know, promising, like, if you get there Tuesday, you're going to be the closest. Like you will be routed to the arch and just stack in from there. Really? Yep. Is that how it works? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, if dude. You, if you're the first car in on Tuesday, you're sitting right in front of the arch. Yeah, because who wants to who wants to get there four days early and and be a mile right, away? Right. You know. Yeah. It's so uh, that's just like a thank you. Um, 
and it's weird because we've like noticed that some other festivals will charge like um i guess kind of like a hotel where you would charge like extra for each day that you're there you yeah. know like tuesday would be like a pre-party yeah that you would pay extra for right um but we were like it's actually you know uh really helpful to have people come earlier because it helps us kind of spread traffic out and make sure the waits aren't that long so like let's let's do something fun you know throw a little party and wear in the woods and let these people park close um just a cool way to like reward those fans who are like the diehards you know and they're helping you out and i went out there and talked to a bunch of them this year um we got these like special patches made um we were originally so we did like the whole sort of like renaming of the campground this year Mm. um so i guess i started like middle of last year kind of like in the job that i am now and when I was on site last year, I was like, why, like, why have we never like named the campgrounds anything, you know? And then Anna, who does like all the creative, uh, she's like the brand director for the festival. She does all the like art and, uh, like graphics and stuff that you see. Um, she, she came up with outer Roo, mm. um, which is great, you know, yeah. get like a little cool little space theme, yeah. um, get to go down that road. But we were going to call like, each of the daily entries something different. Ah, yeah. Um, and Tuesday was going to be Camp Stargate because it's right there, you know, right yeah. in front of the arch and everything. Um, but we ended up not going that direction and just called them all one thing. But we printed up patches that said Camp Stargate and numbered them one to a thousand and went out there and just handed them out to the first thousand people. Oh, nice. But it was super interesting, uh, you know, just getting all that FaceTime with everybody um, and finding out how many of the people who came on Tuesday was their first time. Really? Yep. Man, I was shocked at how many people in general I met that it was their first Bonnaroo. Because I interviewed a bunch of people in the campgrounds for yeah. camera. And you'll see that later when yeah. we start digging through footage for next year. But <clears throat> I was shocked. Half the people I talked to, it's their first Bonnaroo. The other half have been to 15 of them. But, yep. you know. Uh, and some, some two or three saw people with Bonnaroo tattoos. This is my fourth oh, one, yeah. but I've got this dripping Bonnaroo <laughs> multicolored yeah, yeah. tattoo. Um, that's shocking to me that people were coming that early and, and they didn't even know what they were getting into. Yeah. But there was a really fun party for them at Where in the Woods. Dude, it was a lot of fun. Uh, that, that spaceship stage was out of control. Were you there? You weren't there last year? Uh-uh. It was a disco ball last year. Was it? But we fully committed on the space theme this year. It's awesome. Uh, the campgrounds used to be named back in the day. Yes, the sections. Yeah, the each se- section of the campground. It was like I'm in Camp Clark Griswold yep. or Camp Chewbacca or super Camp cool. Daniel Boone. Wildly confusing. Yeah, terribly <laughs> confusing. I got so lost my first <laughs> yeah, night at Bonnaroo. Uh, we were at Back Sixty, and uh, it was uh, the name of our campsite was Daniel Boone, and I, you know, got got a little little too happy too early. Mm-hmm. And got separated from my friends. Yep. The the first night I was there, I walked into Cineru and there was a giant round cage with motorcycles in it. Doing oh, yeah. Circles. I have and, heard about that. And I was like, where am I? Yeah. Where am I? What is, what, is, what, is, what is going on? What is going on here? There's music at this thing? Uh, and that's what I'm walking yeah. to. And then I walked in and saw Modesky Martin and Wood or something oh, like that. Yeah. You know, after after that, I was by myself, of course, and then lost for hours till the sun came up. Yeah. 
And, uh, and all I knew was Daniel Boone and, uh, you know, that, that was the name of my campsite, but I couldn't find a map or anything. And it was, it was a disaster. You probably had one in your pocket. I probably did. Too. <laughs> You're probably right. But you know what? I, uh, I learned my lesson and, uh, I'm a better festival survivor because of it now. <laughs> that's, that's one of the things, that's one of the things now that I, that I'm like alluding to on like the improvements over the years. It's like now you look at the sign when you turn down your lane and it says like age 22 or something. Yeah. And then, you know, like, Oh, there's a, there's B and you can just walk your way up to age 22. No problem, man. It's, uh, it's so exciting to me to see that the, that the, uh, that the vibe still exists with, with all these people, even though it's, I mean, they, they, they step right into it, even if it's their first year. It's yeah. So they cool. like get it. Don't they? Yeah. It just, it's right away. It's, it's a quick read. You're it, Bonnaroo is a quick study. It's like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. And it's, it's not like, it's not our like demographic age wise is not really getting higher. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, Oh, I started going when I was 22. Um, and now I'm 45 or 40, whatever, you know, 41, I guess, and still going. It's like we have new people coming every year. Is that intentional? Is that what, what do you mean it, to to kind of keep to kind of keep the demo right around the same, even though the festival's getting older? I th- I mean, for it to continue to exist, I think it has to be, you yeah. know, because those are people that are willing to travel. You got to have the new crop. Yeah. You, you got to have people out there telling telling their friends how awesome it is. And then, you know, they're in college and they decide to go. Yeah. Or they're, you know, you know, in their in their 20s and decide that they want to make it out there. So how does who who decides who plays at Bonnaroo? I know there's a huge team. That's a good question. Um, is it Ted Heinig still? Does he still have a part? Brian Benson would probably be it's Brian Benson, and Steve Green. Okay. Are kind of like the two go tos. Um, and then Bobby Clay is part of the C three team. He's been doing a lot of the electronic, um, especially at the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sophie Lobel does the uh programming in the plazas. Okay. So the plazas are a newer thing to me too. Yes. So there's somebody that, that programs those. Yes. Okay. So where in the woods is kind of an EDM stage in the in the middle of the in the middle of the campgrounds yes. in the woods. It's an it, it reminds me of Electric Forest. It's amazing. It is so cool. It's super cool in there. It would be at any other festival. It would be the second or third yeah. stage. It's so rad. And then like you know the last the last few years like like this year Zed's Dead played there late night, um, which is like a huge act for right. the size of that stage. Like right. people were backed up. Like you could. Like you could see it and you could hear it, but you couldn't really see it. You yeah. know, like you're yeah. way back there in the trees. Yeah. And then last year, uh, uh, Porter Robinson did his like side project thing, which I'm forgetting the name of right now. Something like Air to Earth, maybe or something okay. that's called. And I don't that, remember. Is that but, an EDM thing too? Yeah, yeah. But all that to say, like, it's not just like Nashville DJs coming in and playing that. Right. Um, it's, it's like national acts. Yeah, huge acts. Uh. Ha- was there any non EDM stuff at that stage at the where in the woods this year? Cause that'd be a sick bluegrass setup for Sunday. There's not room the way they have it built. It's oh, like, there's yeah. just room in there for, for like a DJ, one, maybe two people. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It would be cool though. Yeah. And then what's the, uh, what's the barn called? 
Uh, um, so one of the barns is Toyota Music Den. That's okay. where that's where a lot of the like, I mean, there are real bands out there too. Like uh, the Beths was one of my favorite bands that played this year, and they played a set in the barn, uh, Toyota Music Den, and it's like kind of those like club level like bands that would play like the Orange Peel. Oh, cool. Um, and a lot of those bands will like do two sets. Like they'll play a set in center, and then they'll go out there and play play yeah. one of the barns. Gotcha. But that's like, I mean, there there's always been a lot of that at Bonnaroo, you know, like pop-up shows in the campgrounds yeah. and stuff. Um, they had the solar stage for a while, or the sonic stage, too, that this, was in yeah. Cineroo. So, excuse me, the sonic stage became the Who stage. Okay. Um, which is still in Cineroo. Right, it's just... That's the one over, like, kind of where the comedy tent used to be. Yep. And that's, yep. like, the up-and-comers. It's in between which stage and this tent. Yeah, that's like yeah. Angel St. Queen, uh, Nordista Freeze. Yep, saw like, both of them. Both of those are Nashville bands, and they're both like really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and the uh, who was that band? The I'm not gonna I'm not gonna remember. The Swollen Teeth hmm. was one that played that I think was everybody. I didn't get to go, but I, I think a lot of people were super into the it. The Stews. That's who I'm thinking of. Oh, did the Stews play over there? Yeah, cool. They played at that one too. Nice. And I saw them at um. I saw them in Knoxville at the uh, at Southern Skies. They're great, cool young guys. Uh, and then the uh, I, I guess it was at the Galactic Giddy Up. Is that the other barn that's out yeah, there? Yeah, that was that's like awesome, country man. themed. Yeah, God, so cool. I saw a, a bunch of great shows. There. We're still trying to dial that one in. Yeah, last year it was like, or two years ago it was like over near Group, um, okay. and there was like a little like uh, there was like a little dive bar that they built. Um, but it was like the size of like, like a tiny home maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe like, you know, 400 square feet or something. Yeah. And then outside of that, there was a big, like real stage. Um, gotcha. and that, that was Galactic Giddy Up. And then this year we built like a temp, that was a temporary barn. Was it really? It was. Yeah. It was all built on trust with like a wooden facade. I didn't even know this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, I was there when they were building it and I was like, wait, this is like, this isn't permanent. Right. They're like, no, no, no. I was like, okay, that's very cool. But doesn't Live Nation or C3 own the property now? Yes. So they could build anything they wanted, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. What stage is permanent, right? Yep. Yeah, what stage is permanent? Um, I guess the tower is always there. Yeah. The think. arch is always there? The restrooms are always The arch is not always there. The arch is not always there. It used to be. Okay. Um, The restrooms are always there. Yeah. The restrooms are awesome. We that's love a, the restrooms. That's a new thing for me. We love the restrooms. Yeah. Man, and not just not just those, but like the whole I don't think I saw a porta potty. Oh, it, the you talking about the flushable things? Yeah. Those things are awesome. Yeah, and the and the troughs too. You can tell that we've both been to a lot of Bonnaroo's because this is a conversation topic. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's like, a big deal. It's it, it, <laughs> I remember I remember fish uh or Trey Anastasio talking about fish concerts and was like, we want it to be the best experience for everybody. We want it in our ideal world. Every single person would have their own individual bathroom. Yeah. You know, they would have their own bar yeah. or, or, or server or something like that. Yeah. And it's like that, but that really is part of the experience. The things that you don't have to wait in line for. I mean, you're missing music if you're waiting in line. Exactly. In early days you were. You're, there were there were porta potties and not enough of them. Yeah, and, and sometimes your tummy hurts yeah. after three days on the farm and you can't afford to wait. Yeah, spicy, <laughs> spicy pie gets to you. Yeah, it gets to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the House of Yes is another uh, yeah. camp, campground uh, campground uh, stage or yes, venue. House of Yes rules. Yeah, and it's right right there on the middle of Shakedown Street. Yeah, House of Yes is awesome. Is the uh, is the Shakedown Street? Are those like do those uh, do those vendors register with you guys? Yes. And, okay, so they they uh, get like vending permits and all that now. Yeah, so. there's there's the other contingency that's like out there on Bushy Branch though, um, where like like if you go out there, you'll like you'll see some like uh, you know some like glassware being sold. Yeah, um, and I don't really know what the what the regulations are out on, out <laughs> on that stretch. Your mic's falling. Yeah, I'm losing my mic. There we go. Oh no! Hold on, I'm gonna tighten that for you. <laughs> I think it came off. Oh, it broke. Did it break? Yeah. Let's switch spots. What a disaster. I can hold this. You sure? Yeah. Let me just, I'm going to take this off of the thing. <laughs> I've never, uh, never in my life seen some, seen that before. I don't think that's my fault. No, I don't think so. But either. it certainly could I be. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> this is, this is the heat. We've this is the heat. This is, we've done it. We've finally broken something in the shop. I've worked for so I've worked for so long to uh, been so hard on this stuff to try to break it, it and it finally happened. <laughs> How's that? This is great. <laughs> yeah, this sure? is this is no big deal. <laughs> Don't you guys have? Doesn't Bonnaroo have its own podcast? Um, not officially. No, oh, okay. So this it's an unofficial there's, thing. There's a few. There's a few Bonnaroo related podcasts. Oh, really? But they're not. They're not. I'll plug them. Yeah, they're great. The What Podcast is one. Okay. Um, the Rubus has a podcast. Oh, I like those guys. I met them this yep, year. Yep, they're super cool. Those are the two that I uh, listen to regularly. Okay. I feel bad for you over there. I'm good. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm. I feel like I'm probably gonna dial it in here in a second where I have where I'm like really comfortable. <laughs> But it's, it's it's almost it's I almost got it I think like I think this this might work yeah we've we've been needing some new mic stands in here for a while these are our second ones I used to just have these little ones on the table that like just poked a little microphone at your face yeah these are I thought they were better they're I've really great a couple of years yeah yeah they uh they're gonna get a letter from me though yeah you should be like we were mid podcast like really just chopping it up. And this thing and it, just fell. And it fell. <laughs> we were talking about vendors. Yeah, yeah we were. <laughs> the but yeah, yeah, all the vendors, all the vendors, all the vendors register and get selected, et cetera. Cool. Do, do they get to choose whether or not they're in Cineroo? Um, I believe that they are able to make a request. Gotcha. And there's some kind of lottery system or something like that. Um, I might be making this up, but I, I think that if you've, been before and it's gone well and everything yeah um that's kind of like the first call and then i've honestly have no idea how people are selected after that gotcha it's it's cool because people can go and like it's like going to a a hippie department store like you can you can buy all kinds of new stuff i've bought so much cool uh art for my house and yeah and i mean it it really is a music and arts festival. I got a sweet dead shirt last year. Did you? Mm-hmm. Officially licensed merch. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no. I would I would not say that. But a vendor was selling it. 
I don't think the dead requires you to license anything, do they? Really? Uh, I think so, because we tried to, um, we had a co-ed softball team about 15 years ago. And we, uh, the name of our team was Steal Your Base. Nice. And uh, <laughs> we, we couldn't find anybody to print our shirts for us. So they were a steely with home plate, you know, yeah. baseball diamond in the middle of the steely. And uh, we couldn't find uh, – we had a hard time printing them. We had to find some uh, – they were like, no, it's licensed. We can't do it. What? I know. I was always under the impression that the dead stuff, they had like intentionally kept it public domain. Yeah. I, I think they just won't send you a cease and desist if you – Okay. You know, unless yeah. you're unless you're really ripping it up out there, making money off of their stuff. I mean, I've definitely like played and helped produce a small festival in town where that was the t-shirt design. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, it mu- it must not have been big enough because it, it, was, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, because it didn't get the attention. <laughs> but I do have one of the shirts, and it was definitely using a steely. <sighs> it's it's the greatest. It's it, it's just it's a cultural icon. At it this is. Point. So this this year's Bonnaroo, I've, and this is for me. This is like a little bit maybe getting sentimental, but also being like somewhat plugged into the music industry and the music world and seeing how these things go and you know music the music festival market is saturated now Mm. and bonnaroo had covid year Mm. and then there was reschedule and then and then rain hurricane the hurricane that wiped bonnaroo out the day before and it looked like it looked like bonnaroo was gonna have a hard time coming back from that and then you guys came back in 2022 and people were still nervous about COVID. Like people still didn't want to get out even outdoors. And, um, you know, I, it it was reported on the news that Bonnaroo wasn't at full capacity. Mm -hmm. Like it, like it had been in years past. And so it felt like this was really a make or break year for Bonnaroo. Yeah. It's like COVID's over. Let's, it, are, are we going to come back? You guys pulled out all the stops with the lineup. You you did your job marketing and and did a great job of getting the word out. But it felt to me like almost a coming out party of like, don't sleep on us. We there we was yeah dead. There was definitely some uh, Bonnery's back sentiment. Yeah, um, and it was definitely uh, an emotional year for a lot of us on the team. Um, cause I mean, 19 and 20, both sellouts, um, you know, and then you got into the, or I mean, 20 didn't happen, but right. it did sell out quicker than it had ever sold out before. Really? So um, it was, it was a high watermark. For we Bonner. were hitting our stride before COVID. Right. It was the best Bonnaroo had ever been. Um, and so then, you know, it was heartbreaking to go two years in a row without it happening. Like if you had asked me like when I was you know, a teen, you know, a teenager in my early twenties, like, do you think there'll ever be like a year that Bonnery doesn't happen? I'd be like, no. What could stop it? Yeah. Why, yeah. why would it ever? Cause stop? I mean, there's been years when it's been like super muddy and it's happened, yes. you know, like there's like, like MJ released like the legendary, like storm show, you yeah, know, the O four show. I was yeah. There. That whole day it just dumped. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like knowing stuff like that, it, it just seems like an unstoppable force. Right. Um, but I think I think going into last year, everyone on the team was just like, we just got to, we have to, everyone needs to get back there, you know? Yeah. 
like it doesn't matter how many tickets it sells it doesn't matter like you know this or that or like like everyone just needs to get back out there that's what we need to do and that's what we did and this year was incredible and we had a full farm again so cool yeah i I remember going well well let me ask this was there was there any was there any kind of nervousness among the team that like if if this year doesn't do well i'm worried about the future of bonnaroo i mean i think you have to worry about that with any big event you know um if you get to the point where you know what it costs to produce the event is you know greater than the ticket sales can bear um there's very few people in the world that are going to sign up to keep writing that check sure so i think working in music um and working on festivals in general um that's always in the back of your mind gotcha um you know whether it's you know a small a small local festival or a you know 10,000 person regional show or a big show like you know Bonnery or Coachella I think I think that's always you know working on something like that it's always in your mind yeah when when Ashley Caps was here I, I asked him about you know like I'm kind of dumb about this stuff like what exactly does a concert promoter do and it's like <laughs> ultimately you're taking all the risk yes like you're you are putting up your money and promising a a card of talent that you are going to pay them to come play. Yep. And if you don't do your job to sell enough tickets to to offset that, then you're taking a bath. It's and you, terrifying. And you don't stay in business that long. So, like, Ashley Capps, nicest guy in the world, the guy's got balls of steel, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, the risks that you take, like, I'm, I'm scared to... To buy a, a house that I don't think I can make money yeah. off of it, you know, if I need to sell it. And like, you know, these promoters, Ashley and, and others, and now Live Nation C3 with Bonnaroo are are really taking a huge risk. And I guess that they're better positioned to, to take care of it because it's amortized across a portfolio of exactly. festivals. But still, you can't have your biggest one. And it's Bonnaroo the biggest C3 festival? Um. Well, ACL's two weekends, so no. Right. Um, and I and Law Plus is probably bigger too. But it's okay. those three are like what we all call like the big three. Gotcha. Like okay. they're the they're the long running, like a lot of people, like big assembly type events. But I feel like those are the ones that have to be successes or they can or they can wipe out five small ones, you know. Yeah, and you know, this um you know, this isn't really like totally in my realm, but I I think that those are all probably looked at over five years ah you know instead of one yeah um i mean if you bought like you know five thousand shares of apple you know and it doesn't do good this year right you're not going to cut your losses right you're going to hold on to it for a few years and hope it comes back around but i i feel like bonnaroo what hasn't always necessarily been like that because it was the only festival it was the festival that i'm pretty sure that that ac entertainment started with i think it was just it was just buying talent for rooms club venues and and other outdoor festivals and things like that and so yeah i guess for a company like live nation or c3 they can they can afford to to look at it like that yeah exactly yeah uh, yeah (laughs) yeah i would imagine that um 
Bonner was especially nerve-wracking for Ashley back in the day. It had to be, but but then the, you, you look at it and you look at those lineups, they had to be cleaning up, bringing 100,000 yeah. people to the farm. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I remember going to those and just looking at people. I remember talking to Saul Young. Uh, the He's the photographer for the uh, Knoxville News Sentinel, and he was there mm-hmm. shooting for the festival. And Saul looked at me and he was like, I've been to a UT football game. I know what 100,000 people looks like. <laughs> There has to be more. There have to be more than 100,000 people on this farm right now. And that was in the early days. That's pretty funny. Yeah. And I was like, man, you're probably right. Like, yeah, ain't nobody wanting to talk to the fire marshal about all that. If you can sell tickets, sell them, make hay while the sun shines. And they did that for a few years, too, where it was like, tickets are on sale, tickets are on sale, tickets are on sale. And then the weekend starts and they're like, oh, we're sold out. Oh, yeah. People start showing up. It's like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but also we got you, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah someone's at the gate just like dropping money directly into a safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. Yeah. Did uh so is is Bonnaroo big enough to to keep you busy all year long or are there other things that you work on throughout the year? So I work on Bonnaroo, Railbird, Highwater and Moon River. Okay, so all Southern festivals. Yeah, and they are, they all also happen to be sort of like the the sort of like AC Entertainment portfolio of festivals. Oh, did yeah. you work at AC? I did. Yeah. Okay. I worked there uh, for seven years. Oh wow. Yeah. How would you get rolled into that? Um. Yeah, I guess we can go back into my my history. Yeah. Why not? So Just don't start crying. I'm from Seymour. I love Seymour. My brother yep. lives out there. I'm from Seymour. Um, and I went to school at Middle Tennessee State. Okay. For music business. Okay. And I was debating about whether I should stay up in Nashville um, or come back here and try to get a gig at AC. And I'd been working at Dollywood Splash Country. Nice. Since I was 15 or 16. I can't remember when they let me start. Nice. Um, but that was like my summer job. Heck yeah. And so I, their marketing department was like, hey, when you get done with college, like come to an internship with us. Yeah. I was like, okay, that'd be a good experience. Um, and like I already knew everybody there. So I was like, well, if the music thing doesn't work out, like I could definitely see myself, you know, working with that team. Um, so I like came back for that, applied for an internship with AC, uh, got it. And so I was doing both of those at the same time. So you were doing splash country marketing stuff? Yes. And, I was working yeah, I was working with their uh social media director at the time. Um and I was a social media intern at AC. So I was I, I had this I had this Dodge Caravan that my grandparents had given me because my Honda Civic had died. And so I was driving the Dodge Caravan out to Sevierville in the morning. And then I would drive to Knoxville for my internship in the afternoon at AC and then back home to Seymour. So I was just making this like nice little loop. Um, 150 miles on your car. Yeah. On my van. On your van. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I I did that internship and then they had a job open up. Um, It was just like a support role in the marketing department. Um, And I interviewed for it and they hired me and I kind of worked my way up from there. So at AC, I did mostly show marketing. Um, I was in charge of all the clubs um, at first. So it's like the orange peel. 
So we we marketed for Marathon Music Works. Oh, cool. And we I did marketing for Minglewood Hall Where's in that Memphis. One? Okay. Um, and then I helped launch the Mill and Mine. Mm. Um, and then I kind of I can't remember exactly how the flow of events worked, but it ended up to where it was like um, one guy Evan Tolly that probably half the people listening to this know. Um, and then, so he was doing like the Tennessee and Bijou, um, and then the Tivoli Memorial in Chattanooga. Okay. And I was doing everything else. Okay. Um, cause we were doing like, we had some exclusive business, um, in concerts and then the rest was kind of like one-offs. Like we would, we would call like Thomas Wolf auditorium and be like, Hey, uh, you know, we got, we got Humphreys one to play. Uh, you guys got this date. And they're like, yeah. And so we'd like rent the room from them. I'd, they'd be like, okay, Corey, you have 10 grand to market the Sumfrey show. Um, I'd do the marketing. We'd hopefully sell it out and then on to the next one. Gotcha. So I would do like 200 or so of those a year. Um, and the way I got into the festivals is every festival that we were doing was in one of my markets. Hmm. So I was the one who had all the media relationships. So our marketing director would kind of manage the strategy and then I would help him execute um, and like place all the ads, talk to all the local partners, et cetera. Uh, so kind of got my feet wet that way. AC's how many? 60 people at this point? Um, at this point? Yeah. When you're working there, smaller? I would say, yeah, I think we had like 40 some in the Knoxville office and then like another 20 in Nashville. Okay. And so... You're you're doing rooms in Memphis. You're doing rooms in Knoxville, Charleston, Columbia, Louisville, Lexington, all over the place. And this is these are all kind of one off deals. A lot of them are, yeah. Um, so it wasn't were, exclusive booking for any of these venues. In most cases, no. Okay. I think there were like one or two clubs that we were doing all the shows at, but it was mostly um, like the Signal in Chattanooga. We were doing all the shows in at okay. one point, um, and then for a while we were doing all the shows at the Music Farm. Oh yeah, um, Charleston. Yeah, but that was like I don't know. It was like those were like a year deal, and then we go do something else, and then yeah, it was just kind of all over the place. So, what was the festival portfolio of AC looking like at that point? And what year are we talking about? Um, so I I was with AC up until COVID. Um, so this was like 2013 through whenever COVID happened. Okay. Um, so four castles in play four castle, the mountain one, uh, mountain oasis was happening. I think just the first year I was there. Okay. Um, yeah, just the first year I was there and yeah. High water started while I was there. Wow. Has it been around that long? Yep. Moon river started while I was there. Um, Railbird, I think played once. While it was AC proper, and then once with C3, and then this year. So I think it's played three times total. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. Oh, do you remember Slossfest in Birmingham? Mm-mm. That was in play. Rem- well, yeah, I do. I remember hearing about it. I think it. that happened like twice. I think we had like panic out there, but I think yeah. it got hit by storms both years that it happened. Oh, yeah. Not a safe investment. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool. It was cool as hell. Really? It was like it was like in that Sloss Furnace complex, and so it was like super industrial looking, 
Um, and it was a really cool place to go, but yeah, it just didn't really work out. We did Afropunk in Atlanta one year, which was super cool to work on. It's it's wild to me that that there were so many like even though these festivals were going on, you would think that that would be enough to I don't know. Intuitively, I feel like that would be enough to keep uh, plenty of people at AC Entertainment busy. But I always forget that the bread and butter was programming these small venues, sometimes yeah. in a one-off sense. Yeah, and and having to do the same thing that Ashley was doing on the Strip in 1985, mm-hmm. you know, and renting a room, booking an act, and trying to come out in the black. Well, and those like. You know, if you have seasoned talent buyers, those concerts, I feel like in most cases are less risky because you can get on Polestar and see what they've done on at least half the shows in their last tour, you know? Yeah. Um, So you you can make a pretty educated guess at how many tickets are going to sell in your market. Yeah. Um, But festivals, it's like you really got to have your finger on the pulse. And that's where like Benson and Steve and those 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 guys like they're very impressive. Yeah, I'm sure they're doing they're they're trying to aggregate all kinds of information to try to figure out, you know, this this uh this act is going to draw this many and this one is going to be a loss, but it's okay cuz we have to fill out that stage yeah. and and <clears throat> try to put it all together in a way that is that makes fiscal sense. It's uh well, in like some of those city festivals like you can you can just throw down on a few headliners, you know, and, and that's the draw. Yeah. It's easy to sell one day tickets, you know, so you kind of like hedge your bet that way. Gotcha. So you're like, well, we got so-and-so on Saturday. We know that day's going to sell out. So, but with Bonner, you're like, you're counting on everybody like being all in. It's uh, the Zach Bryan effect, man. That guy seems to be on the, on the rise, man. I'll be honest too. I I saw him at Railbird and it was a really really great show. Yeah, I was there for that too and I was shocked uh because the reason I was shocked is because I was at Weezer, which was the show <laughs> before that. And all my people that I was hanging out with were so stoked to see Weezer. Mm-hmm. And everybody I talked to was so stoked to see Weezer. And then we put the drone up in the air. Yeah. Behind the stage. Uh, behind the Weezer stage. Mm-hmm. And Zach Bryan was still an hour and a half from playing. And there were more people Dang. at Zach Bryan's stage waiting for him to start playing. And the Weezer crowd was big still. The Weezer crowd was really big. Mm-hmm. Railbird was fantastic. It's, it feels like Zach Bryan is a, is a, a golden goose for, for the festivals these days. He's been a superstar this year. Yeah. He's really hit his stride. I'm going to see him next uh, this weekend, right? Where's where uh, it? Oh, at uh, Farewell. At Farewell, in yeah, Bend, Oregon. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. It's a, it's an all kind of not an all country lineup, but there's a lot of it's definitely more country. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I've always wondered how they, how you guys figure out, you know, and Kendrick Lamar has to be so expensive, right? Like. How, I mean, and he, he's a huge draw. I'm sure a lot of people yeah. came to Bonnaroo to see Kendrick. But, Undoubtedly. But, I mean, it had to be. You uh, can book a lot of Trey Band for the price of Kendrick. Yeah. You I bet he's more the, than a million bucks. I mean, I look, a lot. At, I look at, like, I don't know. I remember a few years back looking at Polestar and, like, the two most expensive touring bands to book at, at the time 
were like Dave Matthews Band and Fish. Yeah. And they were like 900 or a million mm -hmm. to book them for a night. Mm -hmm. And it's like that, that has to have gone that has to have gone through the roof now. But then you look at like, you know, Taylor Swift and Beyonce now like the Yeah. Is that the same kind of mechanism that that people use to, to do that? I mean, is somebody is somebody renting Nissan you know, is, is a promoter doing Nissan and then, and then saying, I'm going to book Taylor Swift and sell no. tickets. How does that work? Um, those are usually tour deals. What's a tour deal? Like it's usually the same promoter working on the whole tour. Okay. Um, I don't know who's doing Taylor. I don't know if it's live nation or someone else. Um, I think Beyonce is live nation. Yeah, I think it is too. But they, they book the whole tour and like, you know, Nissan stadium, like, that's not it's not like you go into Bridgestone and that's like a Live Nation room or whatever, you know. Right. But I don't think Bridgestone's a Live Nation room either. But it's like it's basically yeah, an open room, like I was talking about, like if we went into the auditorium in Asheville, you know. It's the same thing. You, you basically you pay to rent it. Yeah, and you then give you, them whatever, how however many hundreds of thousands of dollars it costs to rent the stadium and then you and just then you, produce it. Wow. Yeah. What a deal. It's for, crazy for them. Well, and like, you know, it's I think you know, it's getting hard to put taylor swift on a festival because i mean you do the math you know you fit like those tickets were what a couple hundred bucks face yeah and how many people does nissan stadium hold like forty thousand. well yeah i think for football games it's like 50 or 60 but yeah. they've got the field too right yeah yeah so you can probably get 75 in there yeah i mean she sold three nights millions and millions and millions of dollars it's outrageous it feels like people are – I don't know if people were missing out on the live music. People miss it. I think so. I think so, too. I, I think definitely that, think so. That has to be what it is. People are – I mean, we you know, we went to fish this last weekend in, in Alpharetta in Georgia, and we were just planning on going Friday night, saw the show. It was great. Got a call from my dad the next morning. He said, hey, your girls want to spend one more night. Why don't you uh, find <laughs> tickets for tonight and go to the Did show? Did you find them? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And and we went and we went to the show again just because I mean I've seen hundreds of con of hundreds of ticketed yeah. concerts in my life, if not over a thousand. And be that part I mean, there were many parts that COVID took out of my life that and everyone's life that, you know, we we lamented. Mm -hmm. And to have that back, it was almost like I got a chance to do this. I'm going to stop taking it for granted. I don't know when when I'm going to be able to do this again. So yeah, let's let's do it. Let's let's cast let's cast our vote with our dollar and say that yeah. I want to spend my dollars this way. I want to spend my dollars seeing live music. And I don't care if it's gone after I don't care if that experience is over and I'm moving on to the next thing. Like that's a part of my that's a part of my life that I'm not willing to live without. Mm -hmm. And I'm nowhere near to the alone in that yeah i think people value it more now yep then that's did how i feel four years ago and so like when i ask you the question about this being kind of a a nervy year for bonnaroo like are we going to be able to you know keep are we going to be able to keep making this thing as big and awesome as it as it has been i mean i think that's kind of your answer right there that mm -hmm. i mean the fact that it, it went great this year but it it <sighs> It feels like it, it it feels like people didn't say, Okay, my life is okay without live music. 
Yeah, it's been the opposite. <laughs> it's kind of been the opposite. Well, because, I mean, you were in a climate the last, like, two or three years where everyone's touring. Like, every artist is touring. To the point where it's difficult to put together a festival lineup because... For availability. Everyone's purpose. touring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then, like, like, shows are still selling well. You know? And, you know, you, you're used to a fraction of the that volume in the market uh in concerts especially um and you know a, a lot of the shows do well and then some don't um but in that climate where everyone was touring everyone was doing well yeah um i think that that speaks volumes i mean you know i was i was out there at bonnaroo 2022 you know first bonnaroo back after the you know two years off um i was out there watching the chicks and dude i was just crying really yeah, they started playing uh, "Cowboy Take Me Away," and I was crying, and it was awesome because you were like, "It, we're back." Yeah, and I think there was a little nostalgia mixed in, and I think I was looking around, you know, at all the people and like hearing them, hearing them all sing along, and it just hit me. And then I looked over, and like the two friends that I was with, both of which were in the industry, also crying. Really? Oh, yeah. Do you think that had something to do with it too? Of like, yes. we kind of created this and we kind of helped oh, make this yeah. happen. I, I, I definitely like this year too. Like, how an enormous like sense of pride um, to be able to like share that with everyone that comes. Um, it just feels so good to get it right, and then see people like literally having the best weekend they'll have all year. Um. I had a conversation with uh, Anna Woodard, who I mentioned earlier, um, and I was like, man, honestly think that I like watching uh, the people more than the shows sometimes, um, with, because just you, with where this job like puts you in, in your head. Right. Like, I bet that has to be a little bit of the payoff. It's so cool. For you, it is to not look at the stage but turn around and look at the Dude. people and see the experience that you're affording them. And you're like standing there at the Foo Fighters um you know thinking of everything that's happened with that band over the last couple of years. Mhm. Mm and you see like the drone shot on the jumbo um and it's going all the way back to the back fence line, you know, yeah. and everyone's like singing along and it's Sunday and they know there's a storm coming and they decided to all stick around anyway. And it's just so cool. Just gives you chills. Like it's just so awesome. Man, I'm 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 so I'm so glad that you I'm so glad that that the position you are in has you to fill it, someone who is super <laughs> passionate about Thanks. it. Because you know, we all everybody Oh, I'm sure people tell you all the time how cool your job is. Yeah. They, they they do the same thing to me. Yeah. And it's it's like, yes, it is it's very awesome. interesting. It is very interesting and it's very awesome. And but don't, you know, don't get it confused that it's not not work. <laughs> Dude, that's <laughs> so know? tough too, right? Yeah. So a lot of people think, you know, and even even before I was working on uh, uh working on music stuff, it, it was you know, everybody thinks you're out there making mu movies and it's like, I'm laying in a muddy ditch with a camera right now that weighs 40 pounds. It's laying on my chest. And like, then it's like, you remember like, like for every minute that I shot, I also have to go back through that or someone yeah, does. You exactly. Know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and so we, you know, we, we forget that it's, you know, it, people forget that it, that it is also a job, but I think it does pay so it's so much to have people in those positions who are very passionate about what they're doing. Because yeah. I think if you weren't, you wouldn't do it. It's just, it's just too much. It's too stressful. It's, you know, the conditions aren't, aren't perfect all the time. It's not as glamorous as everybody thinks it is. And so I feel like they're super lucky to have somebody like you who lives and breathes the stuff. It's not just me either, man. Like it's been, it was so cool last year. Like, um, dude by the name of tuba he's like c3's like sort of number one like you know overall the project managers like he's kind of the guy that knows what's going on at all the festivals Mm. like from a production standpoint um and just like with the build and the procedures and everything you know he's he's the one kind of like for c3 that like sort of makes sure that the stuff that doesn't get noticed goes off without a hitch right um, and obviously Bonner is the toughest show for his team every year, you know? Um, and he's been doing it for years and years and years. Um, and you know, he was part of the team that built the one that got stormed out. Mm-hmm. So they didn't get to execute it. And then like, imagine how frustrating that would be. Sure. Like you're out there for a month yeah. putting this thing together. And then it's like, well, uh, let's let this thing dry up and let's pack it up, you know? Yeah. Um, but then just seeing him out there last year, like, and talking to him on Sunday, he was just like, this thing is so cool. Like, he was just fascinated with it. And I've seen that happen with, like, uh, you know, a bunch of people on the C3 marketing team. Um, basically, everybody that's touched that project. They're like, this is by far the hardest one we work on, but it's also so special. And if it were just a job, people wouldn't do it. No. Right? No, no, no. All the people that it's are really working hard. on it are passionate about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's it's rare to find, but it's also necessary to pull this kind of stuff off. With I, I think it's like that with any kind of business that you're in. Pe- people that are passionate about what they're doing are going to do a better job for you. And this is no yeah. different. It just happens to be really cool subject matter for us. Yeah, you know we we like it. <laughs> we think it's cool. Yeah, it's like you're you know you you get a little downtime and you get to go watch you know explosions in the sky like rip through a set you know like yeah it's just, it's such a cool like it's such a cool way to like spend your time too it is and i'm i'm i remember we had a we had a zoom with you on like monday this year before bonnaroo and uh like where are you Corey? you had your high vis vest on you were you were sitting at the festival already yeah. getting the damn thing going yeah and then there's also people who had been there for a month already I looked. I looked in uh, in the uh, advance stuff, and, oh, yeah. I, and I looked at the schedule, <clears throat> and uh, it was like May seventh, <laughs> Mo back sixty. Yeah, <laughs> you dude. know, it was like all the all the uh, schedule for like all the infrastructure needs. Yeah. And all that. Uh, so, are you guys gonna do any more one off shows like the Billy Strings thing that happened at? Uh, the Bonnaroo site, oh, or was that's that a good question. Like a, was that just like a COVID thing? Um, I think that that was. Um, I mean, that was hard. Was it right? Um, because you I had mean, to build a festival. There's nothing for one out show. there. Yeah, and it's 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 not in Nashville. It's in Manchester. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which complicates everything. 
Um, just cause there's a permanent stage there doesn't mean it's really that much easier. Yeah. That's all there is. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, you know, we have paved roads now, which is great. Yeah. There's, you know, some power, there's water, you know, we have restrooms, there's some things out there. Right. But like you got to put in a fence line, you got to bring in a bunch of generators, you got to like, like the only part of the stage that's there is like the frame. Yeah. You got to bring in all the rigging, all the speakers, everything. So those shows are tough to do. Um, I think it was, I think everyone was just dying to do something during COVID, man. Yeah. I think they were like, we got to, we got to just like, we got to do something. Everybody was going crazy. It's one of the coolest shows I've ever been to. I bet. I yeah. bet it was awesome. Yeah. And I was, I was amazed because, you know, you guys built the, built the pods, like the six or eight person pods out of cattle gates or whatever those are yeah. called and, or bike racks. Mm-hmm, bike yeah. Rack. yeah. And, uh, it was like, this is how this is how Bonnaroo does it. They do it big and they do it right. Yeah, and it wasn't just string. On the no, yeah, it would. Yeah, it wasn't caution tape. <laughs> did you go to the caverns? <laughs> <laughs> I, I went and saw a show out there, and it was it was just like yeah, it was like stakes and string. But I mean, I was, did actually. I saw Del Del McCory at the caverns. I was happy to be there. Yeah, I I, I was too, and. uh you know, I think some of the the COVID stuff could could stick. Like with the pods, when we went to the caverns, we had a you know we ordered drinks on the app. Oh yeah, that was and cool. they brought us a bag of ice mm-hmm. and three Montucky tall boys yeah. and laid it all down and yeah. it's like came right to your pod. You're like, let's go ahead and get another three on the way. Yeah, let's go <laughs> and get that going. You can recycle my bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but with when you get, I guess when you get big. Like we didn't really keep anything from COVID that really, for at least in music festival and concert world, I don't. I, I'm trying hard to think of something that really like stuck as being a better thing moving forward. Like with, uh, with like yeah. pick up your own groceries at at you know Whole Foods. That that's still around. Mm-hmm. Like that was great. Like order ahead on at Lowe's dot com, and you know they'll bring it to your car. That stuck. Yeah. But like concerts and the restaurant industry were hit so hard yeah. by by COVID that because it was just so people being together, people not being able to be together is so antithetical to the whole mm. process of of the whole thing. And yeah. so it's like nothing, nothing really no no practices that we found during COVID really stuck around. No, because it, it's like, well, everything we did to like, you know, accommodate um, that that's that stupid virus that <laughs> that plagued us for so long uh, just made everything uh, much more of a pain in the ass than it was before. Sure, like in the concert industry, you know. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I think the saving grace here is that, much like a lot of other things, people took stock of what they really care about, and what people really cared about was mm. a live music experience. And they didn't forget that, you know, I don't know that restaurants are really back yet, you know, and may not yeah. be, but it seems like people aren't really scared to go to outdoor concerts. as much. No now. music's way back. I'm not mad about it. No, it's awesome. Before we, uh, before we wrap up, I got to hear uh, uh, about your band because I heard you play some music. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I do. I yeah. have been for a while, actually. Yeah. So what's, uh, is it a country band? Yeah, I guess I'll give you a little backstory here. So, because I don't want, I don't want to be embarrassed by people thinking that I'm, I just play in, you know, 
just cover bands all the time. Yeah. Um, so I used to play in a band called Treetops, um, which was like progressive rock and jam. Oh, fun. Um, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you, I'll send you the record. You'll definitely like it. Okay. Um, I did that for like three or four years while I was working at AC. Okay. And we, we had like a, you know, shitty 98 or 89, like van, like Dodge van that we'd get into on the weekends and like run over to Atlanta or Athens or Cincinnati or whatnot. That's cool. It was very fun. Did AC ever help you get any gigs or was it? Yes. Um, that's awesome. They, yeah, they were, they threw me on a few like opening slots a few different times. Nice. Um, what a good uh we got to open for left foot down at the bijou one time heck yeah um we got to open for jeff sipe that's awesome exit in one time Ooh, yeah some cool stuff um and then that kind of ran its course and then i played in or still do technically play with uh a grateful dead cover band in town called shakedown six awesome um we haven't played in a while, but that was super fun. We actually got to do a show at the Bijou during COVID. Um, it was like, it was at the tail end of COVID, but the venues were not open back up yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, it was, it was kind of like, okay, if you wear masks and you're in your little pod, like it's all good, you know? Um, so we had like 50 people in the audience and then live streamed it. Oh, cool. Super fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now we're rec- I, I kind of got burnt out. I hadn't been playing music in a few years. Mm. Um, but me and a couple of my buddies were like, man, it'd be so fun to do like a 90s country cover band. Um, and so we decided to just like go for it. And we did, uh, we played Press Pub um, for our first show back this winter, I guess, sometime. Super fun. Absolute blast. We ripped through like 50 songs in four hours. Um, and then we did a special show at Yeehaw Brewing. Nice. That place is badass. And sold over 700 tickets. Mm. Yep. Oh, wait. Was this just a couple weeks ago? Yes. Oh, so Packed I... Packed it out. So I uh, sat next to a guy at Fish in Alpharetta this week. And he was telling me about... <laughs> I mean... He was a piece of work and maybe one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. And I'm oh, going yeah, to like keep that. in touch with him. <laughs> Big, long beard, close talker. He was in my face all oh, night yeah. long. Like he was all over us. And I absolutely, I absolutely love him. What's up, Travis? Uh, What's up, Travis? <laughs> <laughs> Travis was like, uh, Travis uh, told me, he was like, man, I love Knoxville. Knoxville's the best place ever. He's like, we went to the Yeehaw last week or two weeks ago. We saw this 90s cover band. <laughs> Thanks, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's funny. I can't believe that. I, yeah. I knew that I, I knew that I had heard about that show. I wish I would have gone, man. We'll do so, another one. You will? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sold out Yeehaw. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. Um, yeah, we worked with the the Born and Raised guys. Yeah. Um. Garrett and they, and yeah, they came up with a cool concept uh, called Boot Scoot and Boogie Nights that ah. they were kind of workshopping for a silent disco. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, I just don't know if that's going to work or not. And then, like, we were talking about how we'd started this little '90s country cover band. They're like, That's what we'll use it for. And so we teamed up with them, and it they, that was just easy. Wow. It's yeah. I mean, it's like everybody grew up listening to that. 
you know, every single one of those songs is like a sing-along anthem. And it's just so fun. Super fun to play. I bet it is. You play guitar? Yeah, I play. So I've always played electric. Mm-hmm. I'm not a good acoustic player. Um, but I'm playing acoustic in this band and singing. Oh, nice. Um, and so we've got three three guys in the band um, who can all sing really well. So we can do all the harmonies. Oh, great. Um, and then shout outs David Webb for learning all the hard ass electric guitar parts. Um, he's playing everything like straight from the albums. It is absolutely insane. Um, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause country music rips. It's so hard to play on electric. Those nineties, uh, studio musicians were no slouch. Oh no, it's absolutely nuts. That stuff. I mean, you're like, you're having to play out of the chord shapes a lot. Um, and you're having to move around a lot. You're having to use open strings a lot. It's very, very difficult. Um, but on acoustic, you just set a capo and strum. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I do. I do a lot of the singing. So you get to focus on the singing, I guess, which is very fun. Yeah, I bet it is. I either want to. Yeah, I, I kind of like that role. It's really tough to do like a lot of lead electric stuff and then also sing. Yeah, I bet it is. Um, which I did a lot of in treetops. Mm. Um, we were like, you know, just we would just like spend hours like just cracked out trying to like write the most complicated stuff, and then we had to figure out how to sing over it later because it was proggy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but super fun though. Um, but yeah, uh, at the Yeehaw show, we had a bunch of special guests. Uh, Sam Quinn did a tune with us. Nice. Um, Adam McNulty, uh, Haley LaBelle, tons of people. Um, but yeah, How bun- fun. yeah, a bunch of folks got up. What and sang night of the week was it us. on? It was on a Friday. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna do that again. That's oh, my man. fun project right now. That's so cool. Yeah. Man, I'm 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 excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited that you're getting to do everything you want to do, man. It sounds like everything you do is fun as hell. <laughs> I'm excited that I get to do more fun stuff on music festivals with you. <laughs> I know. We're we're going to be Cuz what we've done so far has been great. I agree. And I am uh, open to all of your crazy ideas. Yeah. And will do my best to embellish them and make them. <laughs> I'm open to yours too. Okay. You've got the you've got that OG Bonnaroo Bonnaroo brain going on. You could probably come up with something wild. I know. I wish I wish that uh that this dog over here wasn't uh contraband. And then you know, and then we <laughs> oh, could Oh yeah. Then we could do a piece on her. I don't know how much she's got left in the tank, but uh she's a she's a good story. Well, I don't even want to say it, but maybe it's a tribute down yeah. the line many years from now. <laughs> yes, many, 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 many years from now. <laughs> Earmuffs, Bonnie. Yeah, Bonnie, you didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I'm so glad that we got to do this. I know yeah, it's been a long ben. time coming. I appreciate you coming by, and thanks for uh, doing the hard work and holding that mic for the sake of him. <laughs> I'll fix my shit and have you back sometime. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yeah. I, I don't mind it at all. Actually, yeah. I do. I mean, you're looking at me. Does it look comfortable? It it yeah it does now <laughs> yeah you, you, I told you're you right. you got there. I told you I get settled in <laughs> you got there too. oh man thank you so much Corey it's good hanging out with you and thanks for thanks for coming by man thanks buddy same thanks yeah. for having me you got it see ya. <laughs>